this hard parking brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Chief Finney, recording from Gilbert, Arizona. Coming up on today's show, it is just me. Every once in a while, I do a show, and typically when it's just me, I lose subscribers because you guys aren't here for me. You're here for the content. You're here for my guests because let's just face it, I'm not an interesting person. But I felt that you know I had enough stuff that went on in New Orleans that I would recap that trip, give you my thoughts on a lot more than I gave you at the end of the last episode. Also want to talk about the Instagram verification, the check mark. Same with Facebook. This is a popular topic and I feel like I need to weigh in on it a little bit. Also want to hit you guys up with some car news. We haven't talked about car news in a while. So all that and more coming up after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at Four Wheel Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's Four Wheel Online, the number four wheel online. So one of the things that I've struggled with, I struggle with this a lot, and I'm not, I'm not good. Now, listen, believe it or not, I don't like talking about me as much as I like talking about other things and other people, I guess. If you want me to talk about me, you're going to hear a lot more over on the Patreon. I'm not trying to send you guys over to spend money on me. I'm just saying that's usually when I talk about me, what's going on in my life, things like that. But I say that to say that it's always difficult when people learn that I have a podcast. Oh, yeah, what's your podcast about? And I never, it's it, for some reason, it's very difficult for me to explain what this podcast is. So if you're someone who listens to this all the time, please, for God's sakes, send me an email hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what this podcast is because I struggle defining this to other people. It's the same deal when I tell them that I'm the owner of One Auto Movement and I have a council and people are like, oh yeah, what's that about? People ask me what I do for work. I say healthcare IT. Oh yeah, what's that about? I just struggle and it hurts because it's you have the confidence of saying what it is you do or usually other people tell you that I have a podcast. I don't I mean, I go around town and I slap my stickers on things when I'm on vacation because it's a lot of fun, but I just struggle. And I feel like if I didn't struggle, it'd be easier because a lot of podcasts, there's because there's no, there's no set regiment to what it is we do here at Hard Parking. A lot of other podcasts, I could be like, well, I have a true crime podcast and we talk about American history and the murders that most other people aren't talking about. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I want to hear about that. You know, or it's it's a car podcast, sort of, but not really. But how do you explain that? Because the, the diehard car people, they want to hear about cars. Or they want to break and just want to casually hear about cars and want to hear about everything else. That's what this is. But if you're not into cars, and I tell you it's a non-automotive automotive podcast, then you're kind of like, eh, I don't really want to hear about cars. Good luck. But we don't talk about that much here. But we do a little bit. Like I said, we have car news coming up. It's cars for everyday people, but I still would not describe the podcast as that, but yeah, help me please. Cause I need that. I need to update all my, all my descriptions online of what this is. I need to have a better, quicker response 
other than uh, a little story. Hey, Jay, what's your podcast about? Well, you see, it's kind of like, you know, you ever walk down the street and then I start telling a story? I really don't, but that's what it probably sounds like. It's terrible. It's a fucking disaster. Before I talk about New Orleans, I want to talk about this whole Instagram verification. There's a fundamental flaw in how they do it now. So for those of you who aren't sure, or maybe, you know, there's a, there's, I'm going to be all over the place with this because it's almost like being verified on YouTube. Like you want the check mark on YouTube. That's like your rite of passage. That means you are someone. And as a content producer, it feels weird to say, hey, what is it you do? Well, you want to say I produce content. I'm a digital creator. You don't want to say I'm an influencer. I'm a YouTuber. Hell, even I'm a podcaster because it almost sounds kind of douchey, I guess, because there's a lot of people who don't do what it is we do on a daily basis. And they think if they don't understand it, it's like, oh, okay, psh, whatever. You're just some kid who sits on top of your Ferrari and wrecks stuff for likes. All you care about are likes and views. Well, yeah, because that's how you get paid. That's what it's all about. So when you have a check mark on YouTube, that means you're a verified channel and people are going to not only stop and pay more attention, but you're more likely to get your, your, your videos viewed. You're going to get more likes. It's going to push you up. You're going to get more subscribers. YouTube, you have to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 viewing hours and a rotating 365 day schedule in order to even be eligible for monetization. My channel obviously sucks because I'm at 800 and something subscribers and I've been doing it for a couple of years, but I'm not consistent. I know my flaws. So when it comes to things like Twitter, if you're verified, you're somebody. You're somebody in the media. You're somebody in the sports world. You're somebody in the entertainment. I don't even understand how Twitter does it. I actually, honestly, I deleted my Twitter. I deleted the app a few weeks ago. I didn't delete my account. I don't understand that mindset when someone wants to take a break from social media, how they just delete their accounts. No, just uninstall the app. And then get back to it whenever you feel like it. And then all this stuff is still there. When you delete it, you start all over. So I've never really quite understood that. That's not what this section is about. I'm just trying to explain why it is that people want verification. So when it comes to Instagram, you know, all of us who produce content want to be verified because verified, going back to what I said about YouTube, usually that little blue check mark means you're someone doing something. You're someone of significance. It doesn't mean because... I've seen a lot of comments like, well, I don't want to pay for the check mark. I know who I am and my people know who I am. Good. Good for you. You're obviously not saying you're nobody, but you're nobody, you know, and I had said this on one drink Wednesday and I wasn't trying to take out one of our most loyal listeners and or viewers, you know, Steven, the accurate guy. Cause he's like, well, I, I can't get verified. Well, what do you do? You don't do anything. Sure. You've given your name, Steven, the accurate guy. Do you have a YouTube channel where you talk about Acuras all the time? Are you Honda Pro Jason? Everybody knows who Honda Pro Jason is in the car world. Everybody. He's so famous now, when he goes places, he gets, he gets brought into places that normal people can't get to because of who he is. That means he's someone. Instagram got, they made it really difficult to get verified. You had to have an IMBD. You had to have real articles written about you, like on Forbes. You know, you had to either pay someone thousands of dollars to write up all these things because what they would do is they would run an algorithm and it runs through the entire internet 
and it's got little check marks. Are you on Wikipedia? Check. Do you have an IMDb? Check. Have you been into in anything significant? Check. Do you have these three articles about you? Check. Boom. You get the check mark because they don't have time to go through and like manually verify you are who you are. What they decided to do is in an effort that they say, in an effort to cut down on fake accounts, because you have seen that, whereas maybe someone you follow is famous or someone you personally know has done enough stuff. Like I said, you, you're out there enough to where you have some sort of level of significance. Like how many times have you gone through social media and you saw an account that you knew wasn't them because you know the real person and they're trying to sell you crypto? They're trying to sell you this. They're trying to sell you that. That's what Meta is saying that they have tried to reduce. That is what they're saying. We're trying to eliminate this by making everybody verified. By the way, you can be verified too for $14.99. You just have to show you are who you are. And so what, with that comes, you have to submit your driver's license. Your name on your profile has to match what you have on your driver's license. You have to submit, uh, fuck, I don't remember. There's three, <laughs> there's three things you have to do. The problem for me is I don't go, like my driver's license doesn't say Jay Finning. So it went from being someone to just literally being you. And it's only worth it if you're trying to build an audience, if you're a content creator. So if you're like Mark Stoneman, one of our most loyal people on the show, patrons, Mark Stoneman, you're not actually trying to build anything out there. You have your family life. You have your, you know, your profession. You don't live through the lens. Like people don't live their lives vicariously through you on social media. David Garner, our newest Patreon. David has a YouTube channel. He's got way more subscribers than I do. He releases, you know, a video probably every other day. He is out there actually doing stuff or trying to do stuff. He would be an excellent candidate to get verified on Instagram so that no one tries to be David Garner. So, you know, when you go to David Garner's page, it is in fact, David Garner, but under the new rules, again, your profile has to have your birth name on it. And let's be honest, how many famous people out there go by their birth names? How about probably zero? Okay. So Cody Walker, friend of the show, his name is Cody Walker. Paul Walker's name is Paul Walker. Vin Diesel's name is not Vin Diesel. It's like Mark, I don't know, Mark something. I, I had it looked up before. So by the current rules, we all know who Vin Diesel is. Vin Diesel could not be verified on Instagram under the current rules because they got rid of all that stuff where you had to be someone. And for $14.99, all you have to be is you. And if you're not trying to build a public profile, they don't care. They'll happily take your $14.99. So it's kind of controversial. They need to have another method. I can't get verified because, again, my name is not Jay Finning. Some of you know my name. It's not what shows up on my driver's license. It's not what shows up on my credit card. It's not what shows up on my bank accounts. My mom calls me Jay. My parents, my, both my parents before my dad passed called me. Everybody calls me Jay. And they spell it J-H-A-E. When she sends me a Christmas card, Jay, J-H-A-E. When you Google Jay Finning, I'm not saying Google me, bitch. But when you Google Jay Finning, a lot of stuff comes up. That's what I'm known as, but not legally. So I decided I'm not going to change my profile to show my legal name just so I can get the check mark. 
Would I like the check mark? Absolutely. Because I'm trying to build something. And many people know me for what it is I'm trying to build. Am I important? Not saying I am. Not saying I'm any more important than Mark Stolman or Stephen the Accurate Guy. But when I turn around at my desk, I see miniature car models with my name on it. Jay Finnings this, Jay Finnings that. Some of you have bought those things. There's things that I've been asked to autograph over the years. I should have that check mark, but I can't get it because I refuse to change my ways and publicly show everyone who I am by my name just for a check mark that may or may not mean shit. That's a fundamental flaw because I run four or five. Let's see how many Instagrams do I have, guys? We have Jay Travels, we have Jay Finning, we have the VF1S NSX shop. I'm an admin on the NS Expo page, but that doesn't really, that's not really mine. That's a shared property. And the one auto movement page. And then flipping it over to Meta slash Facebook, because it's all the same. I have all those pages plus Mars Base Design, which is a shop. And in order to open up a shop, you have to submit your ID. They have to know your social security or your or your business EIN number. You have to submit proof of having a business. So they have all the stuff that proves I am who I am. But because my name doesn't match my ID, regardless of my face, then I can't get verified. And that's a fundamental flaw. So part of that check mark is you get access to customer support. I already have access to customer support through business tools to where you can actually chat and interact with a real person. They need to have that. It's like, hey, you guys need to review my request. I'm willing to give you $15 a month that I can write off as a business expense. You need to manually review this request when requested of you to verify I am who I am. Until they do that, which I think they will, the Instagram verification is fundamentally flawed. Okay, now that we got the Instagram verification fundamentally flawed out of, out of the way. So some of you know, hopefully many of you know at this point, I was in New Orleans. Um, we did not rent a car. I think I may have said that at the end of the last episode, we were going to rent a car. It didn't make any sense. And I'm glad we didn't because parking overnight was anywhere from $45, I think to 50 or $60. Once you get downtown to the French quarter, you can pretty much walk anywhere you want. Everything is within like a mile and a half. And it's a long way to walk. Most of the times when we walked far, it was like 0.8 miles. But when you're walking through busy streets, restaurants, bars, bars, and more bars, and more shops, and more bars, and more street performers. It goes fast. It's like a 20-minute walk, if that. So we walked everywhere. And if it was a little far, and if we were running short on time, we called an Uber, which was rare. I think we called two Ubers throughout the course of the whole weekend. So I'm glad we didn't rent a car. So unfortunately, I don't have a rental car review for you. And I know all of you are here just for that. New Orleans is dirty. And to be completely honest with you guys, I didn't really want to go. I mean, I wanted to go, but I didn't. My wife didn't know this, but I had an, an invitation to go to the Acura Long Beach Grand Prix. And I've wanted to go to that for years. What had happened was I've been planning a charity with the Arizona Adventure Group and Arizona Natural Restorations for a few months. We got to the point in early March where we decided to postpone it to the end of the year. So up until that point, Saturday, April 15th was not available for me because the charity. So a few weeks ago, my wife says, hey, uh, are you available Saturday, April 15th? I go, no, I have that charity. And I'm thinking to myself, I've talked about it every week. 
like multiple times. I complain about how difficult that thing is to, to organize, how much more I'm having to do to design all this stuff. But it's going to be a big, huge benefit. It's going to be great. Raise thousands of dollars for Arizona Natural Restorations, da, 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 da. That's probably a Patreon episode with me going off about that in the future. But anyway, I'm thinking, well, no, I'm busy. She goes, oh, I go, why? She says, well, I'm going to go to New Orleans. I have to work there on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday. Figured maybe you could fly out and stay the weekend, but never mind. I was like, yeah, I'm busy. She goes, oh, okay. Ends up inviting her girlfriend. And a few weeks go by, and we decide to postpone the trip. And so I ask her, I go, hey, this I think we were in Hawaii at this time. I go, hey, uh, you still going to New Orleans? Have you heard back from you know Celia, which is her, her girlfriend? No, I haven't really heard back from her yet. And I go, oh, okay, well. We've postponed the trip, so now I'm available. And she's kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just tell Celia since I haven't heard back from her. Forget it. I'm, I'd rather go with you. So she doesn't say anything. So I bring it up again later. I go, hey, uh, heard back from Celia yet? No, I don't think she can go. Her husband's getting on her because that's her birthday weekend. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, she probably, I mean, obviously, I would, if I wanted to plan a birthday for Yvette, a, a celebration, and then her friend invited her to go out of town that weekend, she's not going. The family, we wouldn't let her go. We're like, no, you're staying here. And she would have got it. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, you not want to go with me? I mean, I do. I said, no, I get it. I, you Have your girl's trip. That's fine. That's fine. Have your girl's trip. Go out there. Have fun. I'm sure she's a lot more fun than I am to hang out with, in which Yvette confirmed. Yes, when you're not being a complete asshole. And I'm sitting, sitting thinking, well, gee, that's, that's not how you get someone to go on vacation with you is when you tell them that, as long as they're not being a complete asshole, then they're all right. Not a good uh, recruitment strategy there. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, let me know. Okay, I'll let you know. Next day, I get a call. Hey, man, want to go to the uh, Acura Grand Prix Long Beach? Sitting there thinking, well, yeah. But I'm on standby for New Orleans at this point. So I didn't say anything to Yvette about it. I told the person, I go, look, just wait a while. Give me a couple days. I may go to New Orleans. Just give me a couple days, and we'll figure it out. So long story short, I confirm go to New Orleans reluctantly, and I'm like, man, and it's going to rain. I'm like, shit. I could be at Long Beach in the VIP tent, Acura, with my friends, with my peoples, or go to New Orleans. Whether I made the right choice, I'm going to say absolutely I made the right choice. But New Orleans is dirty. And we had a good time. Make no mistake. I'm glad I went. I'm really glad I went. We had a great time. Experienced a lot of things. You know, we went on two tours. Charlie was our first tour guide. And then Charles was our second. Charles was the cemetery tour. And that's where we learned that, you know, we already knew that they bury people above ground. They put them in these basically, I'm going to call them urns. You stick them in there. It's something that they've done for hundreds of years. So what happens is, once the body is basically slow cooked and decomposed, I know that sounds gross, they take this 10 foot long pole with like a big broom or something, a scraper on the end. They open up this huge above ground tomb urn thing and they scrape the top of this thing and they push it to the back into this long shaft that goes down to underground somewhere. Two things came from that. That's where I wouldn't touch you where the 10 foot pole came from. And that's where you get fired from work, man. They gave me the shaft. That's where that came from. I thought it was pretty cool. A lot of cool history there. Um, the jazz history. Jazz, even 
in the beginning of this century was regarded as devil's music. So there was a big movement to get just to completely eradicate jazz from New Orleans. Can you imagine that? Jazz in New Orleans is synonymous. Jazz in Louisiana is synonymous, is it not? That was almost completely abolished. A bunch of murders happened and some politics happened, and now we, we revere New Orleans. We revere Baton Rouge. We revere Louisiana as the jazz. That's the only jazz place we could think of. I mean, you have jazz bars, right? Chicago, shit like that. But going back a little bit to some of the things that, you know, I didn't, when I thought about going back to New Orleans, I, we, we've gone before, and it was all right, but it's not a spot where I figured that I would really be in a rush to go to again. You know, a few months ago, Yvette's like, hey, do you want to go there for Mardi Gras? And I'm thinking, uh, no, not really. Because the last time we were there, one of our Uber drivers told us that's the worst time of the year. We celebrate it. People love it. There's beads everywhere. It gets into the sewer system. It takes them weeks to clean that shit up. Now, can you imagine? Because when I think of New Orleans, I think of Bourbon Street, the French Quarter, Frenchman Street. Big difference, too, between the two. But Bourbon Street is just, it's, it's a fucking, it's a shit show. It's a lot of fun. But it is a shit show. So when I'm walking down Bourbon Street, I'm thinking, God, this would have been great with the boys when we were like 21 to 24, 25 years old, going to these bars, drinking these holy hand grenade drinks, just getting plastered, meeting all these people, you know, partying, having a great time because that's what it is. But it's everyone too. It's not just young people. It's adults. But it's a shit show. Performers at every corner, strip clubs at every corner, holy hand grenade bars at every corner, uh, street performers, which are remarkable every like 30 feet. And then there's Frenchman Street, which is more adult. So we're saying um, the conservative, too cool for school, 26 year olds and people older. And that's where most of the live music is going to be. We went down there, watched the band one night. Got there at 8.45, didn't leave the bar till like 3 in the morning. But one thing that I really realized this trip is New Orleans is more than just Bourbon Street and the French Quarter and Frenchman Street. There's a lot of other side streets you walk around. We went to a lot of really nice bars, really adult bars. Like, there's some nice, chill places. And it was cool to walk around, weirdly, especially at night. Because once you get away from those super busy streets, and that's the, I swear... The city never sleeps. Now, I don't know how many, I would imagine a lot of the bars close at like three or four. Only one time we were out even close to that late. Cause we're old, man. We're like, oh, it's getting late. So go back to the, uh, the hotel and go to sleep. And it's like 1130, maybe 12. <laughs> but by then you've been drinking for like six hours, but I would go back. If you haven't been in new Orleans, I mean, I think it's on everyone's bucket list. I would say go. Go with family, even. Go with friends. Go with other couples if you're a couple or, or one of those groups where you're like mixed couples and mixed singles, like when we went to Austin. So when you're in a large group, you can always have a good time no matter where you're at. And New Orleans would just be, I mean, it's, I mean, make no mistake, it is still a shit show, but it's also a good time. And there's a lot of great history there. And maybe I'm saying that because I'm old. I'm like, my parents, man, they, they would show us slides i was i was gonna say film but no straight up slideshow of their vacations and it was the most boring thing and i don't know if it was a combination between these still photos of 
mom and dad standing there with their little vacation hats on in front of some from temple or just maybe the presentation overall just sucked. This isn't that. Now we have our phones and stuff and we can relive. We do reels and stuff like that, but go. It's a good time. Let's talk about the food though. We, uh, there's, so there's, we, we discovered there's a few chicken places there. I'm going to talk about the chicken in a second. There's Willie's, there's Brothers, and there's one called like Voodoo. I'm sure there's other ones too, but those are the, the big ones. Willie's and Brothers are the really big ones in town. We went to some, I, I feel like everywhere we went, and I don't remember this the last time, but most of the food wasn't hot. And I don't mean hot spicy, I mean hot temperature. I feel like a lot of the food we ate was just like warm. And, and so much that I had to make a note of it. I was like, man, this isn't. This would be really good if it was hot, but it's like, it's warm. Or the sauce was kind of cold. And so we tell them and they take it back and they're like, you want new one? I go, no, no, just heat it up. It still tastes the same. And I'm not really a food complainer when I go out. My wife always tells me, oh my God, Jay, you're too nice. Because if someone bumps me, like when we were at the, that one club from 845 to three in the morning and people, you know, people get crunk. People having a good time. They start dancing and bouncing around and people kind of bumping into you. I just put up with it, you know, because I know that it's not intentional. And my wife's like, you want me to say something? I think we we're waiting in line somewhere. And she's like, you want to go to the front of the line? I was waiting to get a, a drink at a bar. And I go, no, no, just relax. It's all right. People are unaware of their surroundings. They're not rude. They're just unaware. So when you go to the bar and you're having a drink and you're there with your buddies, your girlfriends, and you're talking, you order a drink and you turn. Some people order the drink and they leave the bar. Some people just stand there at the bar and drink their drink and talk to other people. They don't scoot over because they know there's six people behind them waiting to, to, to file in. They're not rude. They're just unaware. And so that's, that's kind of how I travel through life. Like, okay, this person isn't rude. They're just, they're just unaware. Or they're just an idiot. Try to run me off the road because you're driving too fast. I just laugh at you. I don't honk and flick you off and ride your, ride your bumper. I'm just like, I, usually I just laugh. I'm like, oh, my God, this motherfucker. I hope you get in a wreck. I hope you get pulled over. Yeah. So anyway, it's just the food was, I, so usually I don't, I usually don't send food back. If it's cold. I just deal with it unless it's like too cold. So I did send food back a couple of times on this trip, but it's weird. I just don't remember it being hot and I don't remember it being that good. It was good. Our last trip to New Orleans, it was, I remember the food being better and Yvette shared the same thing. In fact, she made that observation more, more than I did. And in fact, we did an experience. It's called the, uh, the Petite Chef. And it's one of the only places in the country. It came from France. It's a French thing where you sit in this dark room and it's a light show. And what happens is there, there's a projector that shoots down on your plate. And it's an experience meal. It's like 130, 140 bucks a piece. So it's spendy. And what happens is this little cartoon chef, you know, he comes onto your plate and he, he builds this stuff. And then when the, the scene is over with this goofy little animation and this music, then the real chefs and the real servers have already prepared your meal. And so each course, it's like four course or five course, something like that. Like the first one, they make the salad. And then the animation goes away and the door opens and they bring everybody their salad. You know, your main course, course one, course two, course three, dessert. It should have been better. The food was, it, it was close, but again, it wasn't hot. So, you know, we had the salad and the salad isn't supposed to be hot, but the next course was a soup. It was like a shell, it had octopus, clam, mussels, a couple other little things. 
and they bring it to you and it should, you should be able to see the steam on it. Like it should be hot. Like you should have to blow on the spoon. Am I right? When someone serves you soup, you want to blow on that spoon before you put that shit in your mouth. No spoon blowing going on. It just wasn't hot. And then the next course they brought out butter poached lobster. Again, it wasn't hot. In fact, not only was it not hot, but I questioned if the lobster was fully cooked correctly because it was too soft. I don't care if it's butter poached or not. Lobster should be a little more firm. And they didn't even clean the intestinal tract. So Yvette, who thinks lobster is overrated to begin with, she cuts into her lobster. She sticks in her mouth and all grit, man. Yes, disgusting. And she was disgusted. She was sitting there scraping all that shit out of the, of the, of the intestinal tract. I see her make that mistake first. So I clean mine out. She ends up giving me her lobster because it, was, it wasn't a lot either. It was a super small portion. So usually when you have the four or five, six course meals, which I don't do a lot, but upon research, I found that it usually always, it's not always going to fill you up. I got spoiled because when I was in New Jersey, last time I was working in New Jersey with uh, my friend Dylan, he uh, brought us to a restaurant and his friend Robbie is a chef there, Robbie Felice. You can look him up on Instagram, R-O-B-B-I-E-F-A-L-I-C-E. Robbie Felice was practicing because he was getting invited to New York City to, to be a Michelin star chef or something like that. He actually served us full courses every single time, which is the exact opposite. By the time you get to the third course, you are full. Like he serves, everybody gets a plate for each one. I'm like, yo, this is way too much food. I've watched Chopped. I've watched all those shows. This is way too much food. Robbie serves it all, which by the way, he is now. He's, he's been nationally recognized. That's pretty fucking cool, Robbie Felice. Yeah, and I ate his food. Anyway, back to New Orleans, like every course, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, she had two drinks. I had two drinks. Our bill was like $350 with gratuity added. There was other people in the room. Um, it should have been better. But you know what the best food we ate in New Orleans was, in my opinion? The chicken. Yeah. The first night, we're walking back. I fly in. So I'm on the plane. I'm flying in. And before I even, I'm in the Uber on the way to the hotel. I get a text message from her. Hey, come down to Bourbon Street. I'm like, oh, shit. Please don't tell me you're drinking a hand grenade. She goes, yep. Sends me a selfie with her crew with a hand grenade. I'm like, shit. She was smart, though. She took a sip and dumped it out. She's no fool. She knew as soon as she took that sip, she dumped it out in the restroom. Somebody else paid for it. As soon as she took that sip, she knew this was bad. I'm not going to make it through the night because they had gone from a dinner to that. And at dinner, there was probably two or three drinks. So she's smart. She's really smart. So we were out all night. That's the night where we went to the club and the ATM fee was $45. Not speaking from experience. That's what I was told. Not lying. Forget that not lying part. So we're walking back and we're looking for voodoo chicken. But we stumble across Willie's, and there's a Willie's chicken like every 50 feet. So we go into Willie's chicken. We get, I don't know, six piece. Like between the two of us, we get uh, six wings, like some fries, and I want catfish, fried catfish. Sounds gross. It was great. In fact, I think it was great because Yvette ate almost all of it and like half a catfish. But it was good. It was hot. Like it was not, it had a little bit of spice to it, but it was heat hot. Like they, you ordered it and they made it right then. It wasn't sitting up in the window. That was good. Next night, you know, or I po I had posted that and on Instagram 
Westwood mechanic on Instagram sends me a message. He goes, oh, I love New Orleans. You guys got to try Brother's Chicken. I say, Brother's Chicken? I go, I don't know. We just had chicken last night. I don't know if I'm going to have chicken again, dude. That's that's a lot. But maybe, sure as shit, there's a Brother's Chicken right across from our hotel. We stay at the AC Marriott. I go, that's Brother's. Is it the same thing? And he goes, yeah, it's the same thing. So it's like a Brother's convenience store, and inside the store, they have the chicken. So we stopped there, and we ordered again, except for they ran out of everything. That's like, ah, I want some mac and cheese. And I go, oh, I'm going to get the chicken and the fish. See what kind of fish. They didn't say what kind of fish. I wonder what kind of fish it is. We'll get chicken. We'll get fish. We'll get mac and cheese. So I go, what do you want? I go, well, let me get the three-piece uh, chicken, um, mac and cheese. We don't have mac and cheese. What do you want? Uh, okay. Um, want the fish. We don't have fish. What else do you want? I go, well, what do you have? We have fries. That's it. I'm like, I guess we're getting the chicken and the fries. So we got the chicken and the fries. And it was really good, too. So that was the best thing we ate, in my opinion. We did the beignets. I still say that, uh, I say Cafe Beignet is better than Cafe Dumont. Cafe Dumont is, I think they're more known there. But Cafe Beignet is better. But there's, we went to two locations when we were there. There's one on Canal Street. And then there's one, like, in the French Quarter. I don't think it's bourbon, but it's one of those streets, like, down, like, deep down in it. And the one that's deep down in it was a lot better. It was crispy, had a little crunch to it, but still soft, hot in the middle. And then the one on Canal, which is, it's like a sopapilla, man. It's like this big piece of bread with powdered sugar on it. Wasn't as good. Lots of overweight people in the Big Easy. I'm not fat shaming anyone, but I blame the food. From the police officers to the employees of almost everywhere we went, they were clinically overweight. I'm not saying huge, like you need a Hoyer lift. Or I don't know if you guys know what a Hoyer lift is. Those those of you in the medical industry know what a Hoyer lift is. It's not that, but everyone was visibly overweight. There aren't you didn't see a lot of fit people in New Orleans, put it that way. And I blame the food because the food is heavy. You have a cafe beignet, cafe Dumont. You know, you get that that crawfish sauce, the booze, the beer. It's just yeah, it's just it's too. I'm I'm glad I don't live in New Orleans more than. Just because it's a dirty, it's probably the dirtiest city I've ever been to. New Orleans is a dirty city. I think I said that at the beginning. It is the dirtiest popular tourist destination in the United States. I believe that hands down, no bones about it. Because it's all condensed too. Because you can go to Tent City in LA, it's dirty as shit. Dirty spots of Phoenix, dirt, definitely dirty spots in New York, dirty spots of Chicago. But for the concentrated area that makes up the tourist spot of New Orleans, it's dirty. And it's stinky. But that's New Orleans. Let's get into some car news. For some reason, I like giving you guys Tesla news every once in a while. But, you know, this seems like it's kind of newsworthy. This is an email I got from bradfinance.com via the Associated Press Newswire. Tesla accelerated to the front of the pack, taking pole position as the world's most valuable automaker brand, automotive brand with its brand surging by 44% according to a new report from leading brand valuation consultancy brand finance. This makes it the world's most valuable automobile, automobiles brand for the first time, and the first time that the brand, which does not manufacture internal combustion buildings, has topped the global rankings. Every year, leading brand valuation consultancy brand, no, no, that nobody cares. It says the Tesla brand is now worth five times its pre-pandemic value. Wow. Overtaking last year's leader Mercedes-Benz and last year's runner-up Toyota. 
This next piece was reported by Keith Cornett of CorvetteBlogger.com, although I've seen it now published on multiple sources. This article is called, Did Front Lift Just Become Obsolete? So what is front lift for those of you non-car people or those of you car people don't have a car that has a front lift? It's a suspension thing that's built into the car where it lifts the front of the car up over curbs, speed bumps, uh, steep inclines, a little bit. It basically raises the suspension so you don't scrape the shit out of the front of your car. Something I need that my wife won't let me get, although she promised we could get it if I signed on the dotted line for more money for the house, except for after I signed. She goes, nope. I don't think so. So an EV automaker in China named BYD is introducing a new sports car called the Wang Zhang or something. The Yang Wang. The Wang Yang. The Yang. <laughs> the Yang Wang. Everybody Wang Chong tonight. Called the Yang Wang U9 that features a radical active suspension control called the Dissus X. They're, they're just trying to screw me up. They recently demonstrated that the car offers three-wheel driving and even has the ability to bunny hop with all four wheels leaving the ground. Bunny hop. I love that. That's the, you know, how many of you could bunny hop? That's, that's like the one thing I could competently do on a bicycle. You ride and you jump and you somehow jump with your bike with you without going over a ramp and you bring both wheels up. So we would always drive and ride really hard. And as you get close to a, a curb, you would bunny hop up on the sidewalk or bunny hop over little things. I could never bunny hop high, but I could bunny hop. And so I know what it is. But there's a video out there where it shows a car driving and it's missing one of the front wheels, but it's still driving, kind of rocking like a boat would over waves, which makes me wonder, is that, is that real? The Chinese are crafty, if I can say so. Is that a real video? But the fact that a car could literally bunny hop, that's some serious stuff, but I don't know how practical that is. Like, I could see automakers adopting the technology for it to lift up, which they already have. So I don't know why this article even exists. When it says, did front lift just become obsolete? No, it didn't come obsolete. It did not become obsolete because we still need the front and rear lifted. I could use that on my NSX. That's all I know. Bunny hop car. Look it up. And finally, as reported by AZ Central and Arizona Foothills Magazine, some lucky Arizona residents and visitors can now enjoy food delivery by drone. Flyby Robotics has launched its first delivery by drone trial run in Mesa, which is right down the street from me, after raising $4 million in seed investment funding. You guys remember a few years ago that I noticed in downtown Tempe the delivery, the food delivery robots. There were these little, I think they're called by something Star Industries. I don't remember fully because I reached out to them and they never got back to me. One of them on the podcast. But if you ordered for like Uber Eats or something down at the campus of ASU, they would put the food in these little robots and they would drive, they would cross the street, they have little lights on them and you could track them just like you could track your packages now, really almost real time. Or when you order an Uber, you could see the Uber. Oh, the Uber's turning up the street. It's coming down my street. Uber's right in front of me. I need to go outside and get my food. Same deal with the, the ones that were driving around a couple of years ago. And I would imagine it's the same time, same deal here. Like, what's the commercial? Don't they, is it a video? I don't know. I don't remember if it's a video that I saw on social media or if it's a commercial where the, the drone delivers a cake and it just lands and crashes. Like, I can't imagine having a cake delivered. But what is it delivering? Let's see. 
Just like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and Postmates, customers order directly through the app. During the live trial, customers with a one mile or oh, within a one mile radius of participating restaurants. And that's a lot. That's one mile. That's far. I don't know drones that well, but that seems far. One mile radius restaurants can place an order for just $3 after placing an order. Flyby calls each customer when the order takes flight. The app guides each customer to watch their surroundings and communication visual markers to the drone pilot. Flyby instructs customers not to hang up until the order is delivered to maintain a safe distance from the drone. So the drone pilot, that means there's somebody piloting the drone, I guess. That's interesting. This is an interesting development. I don't remember if we ever talked about it on this podcast. I have to go back and look. But there was another podcaster named Jason B. Godoy who had Wake Up With Wonder. And we had a, a, was a Discord or WhatsApp group. And he was talking about this technology. A buddy of his was trying to source this and raise the money for it. And this was the future. And the thought and the question was, you know, Howard, I think, was it on this podcast? The question is, how are you going to manage air traffic control when you have hundreds of drones flying around? Sounds like someone's figured it out. So this will be interesting. Have your food delivered by a drone. And that is the car news. If you like what you heard today, guys, please subscribe to the podcast and gals and go tell a friend about it. Leave a review on Apple, Spotify, if it allows ratings. Actually, Spotify does allow ratings. Or really anywhere you consume this podcast. Coming up next week is a very special interview, fun phone conversation I had with Mike Jimenez of Jada Toys. So if you guys Google Jada Toys, you're going to be like, oh, this is cool. And I felt as if, God, we could have been, it's almost as like we're long lost brothers. Like we had, that, that conversation was a lot of fun and I can't wait for you guys to hear that next week. I want to thank Wright Honda and Wright Toyota, Four Wheel Online and Cell Shop Wireless Services, Patreon Business Supporter, Cool Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida, Pell Construction out of Caledonia, Michigan, Big House, Small Home Design, Ashbury, Virginia, and Traverse City, Michigan. Must get exotic cars and rentals out of Glendale, Arizona, and shipping success with West Tankersley out of Boise, Idaho. If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, you can join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month to get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. I've recently redesigned, or I've, yeah, I've designed the Patreon logo where it's, it is straight up Patreon. So now those of you who are supporters of that, you're going to get your own unique swag. You're not just going to get the first shot of any new swag, but the Patreon-specific swag. Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bo Jung, Oscar Mina, Andrew Bunkley, as well as new supporter David Garner. If that name sounds familiar, he does have a YouTube page called Driver's Therapy. He's been on the show before. He's the very energetic, fun guy who bought the NSX Rock. So he is way overdue. I need to get back on here. Has like a gajillion cars and uploads a video. I aspire to be him because he, I swear to God, he uploads a video every other day. I'm still trying to do one video every other week. New Hard Parking Podcast shirts are coming out. You can pick those up on the website when those are available. Tell everyone you know about hardparkingpod.com. You can email the show at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning in the Heart Parking Violation Facebook page because we can't grow like you're telling the world how great the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together and talk to you all next week. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that.